0: Welcome to the Bhagavad Gita for Everyday Living podcast series by Gautam Ji, Senior Disciple of Swami Partasarthi. In today's podcast on Chapter 3, Gautam Ji answers questions on the topic of Yajna. So last week we um, were talking about the three grades of people, Right? The lowest is Tamas. Tamas is the state where you want to get something out of nothing. You don't want to put in the efforts for what you get in life. Correct? So Krishna calls this thieving. You are a thief, he said. He who eats without producing is a thief. So the first sign of Humanity in a person is, you are willing to put in the price, you are willing to put in the effort, you are willing to pay for what you receive. You are not giving anything, but at least you are not taking. You are willing to put in the effort or time, whatever is required to get something. Mm -hmm. Right? When you want something from nothing, all the time trying to extract, this is thieving. And I told you, that's the biggest weakness. That's why the whole marketing is built around is free, free, free. Okay, everybody has this weakness. You want something from nothing. Hmm. Why? Why are you not willing to pay for what you use or get? So this is the lowest, Tamas. So the second is Rajas. Rajas, you are willing to put in the effort. Rajasik person is willing to work but it is purely selfish in nature, only for yourself. This is a second grade. Still better than Tamas because at least you are willing to put in the effort. Hmm? But because it's selfish, he says those who cook for their own sake they eat sin. Huh? So, since you are only concerned about your own welfare, your a- acting, you're operating with these selfish desires. This begets more desires. You become more agitated. So instead of trying to get happiness, he says, "You cook for your own sake. You eat sin. Sin means agitation. Agitation. You you end up getting more disturbed in life." Very interesting how he puts it across. Like, but those sinners means the basis. Sin in philosophy is mental agitation. I told you last time, right? So the propelling factor is sin. It's a selfish desire. It's an agitation. But you want happiness. You get only more agitation. So as you go through life, if you are self-centered, you will find more and more stress, more strain, more worries, more anxieties. So what did you start out life for? Happiness. What do you get? Sorrow. In another place in the Gita he says production of contrary results. You want something, you get something else. You want happiness, you get sorrow. So this is Rajas. So the only way out he says the righteous who eat the remnants of sacrifice. So righteous means the people who are willing to sacrifice their personal interest for a higher purpose in life. So their focus is on the action, not the fruit. They don't care what they're getting out of it. Their focus is to act. This is what ought to be done in life. Such people, he says, are freed from all sins. The fact that you're acting unselfishly keeps you happy and spiritually The selfish desires will drop off. So you will elevate. You will be permanently free from these agitations. Now what else do you want? So he gives clearly the beautiful two verses where he gives the three types of people. The lowest tamas, the middle rajas and the highest sattva. So you have to strive friends to get to that sattvic state where you genuinely want to serve. You want to sacrifice. For a higher purpose in life. Beyond your selfish interest. Anything which is beyond your self-centered interest is right. Mm. That's the only way to keep yourself mentally peaceful. Remember that. And in the whole world, mm, for the, even children are not taught mm, <coughs> that you have to serve. It's only you have to aggrandize, you have to get, you have to take. so that is why so much stress and bitterness and hatred everywhere self centeredness nothing else so this is where we were last time before he begins with the 14th and 15th verses which talk about he gives an elaborate <coughs> agricultural metaphor to explain a very subtle concept how this Capacity to sacrifice is the pivot between Brahman, God, reality, and you, the individual beings. What's the pivot in the middle? Is this capacity? We'll explain it. It's uh, it'll take some time to really understand what it's saying. But before that, any questions or clarifications? Ah, you had a question. Correct. Uh, I understand yajna to mean sacrificial activities dedicated to a higher cause. This means performing actions while surrendering to a higher purpose in life without any selfish motives. Humans are blessed with the ability to perform yajna and this differentiates them from animals. Mm. Could you please clarify what is meant by ability to perform yajna? Is it a function of the body, mind, or intellect? And then, how do you sacrifice the very ability to sacrifice? It's confusing. Right. So, the question is, only human beings have this capacity to perform yajna. Correct. Right? Means to sacrifice your selfish interest for a higher purpose. Mm -hmm. So, what exactly is doing that is the intellect, when you ask. Because... The mind has a flow of emotion. Right? Now only the intellect can understand whether you should go along with this flow or not. That's so it's a capacity by the intellect. Otherwise how can you do it? That's why only a human being can do it. See an animal is a pure flow of emotion. A tiger has a emotion, a desire to kill. It can't think beyond that. Right? So it can't say why should I kill these poor innocent deer? Today let me try. <coughs> it, it doesn't have the capacity to think. So sacrifice is that capacity. That's why it's so difficult because whole life you're just trained to go along with the emotion. The flow of the mind. I like this. I do this. I don't like this. I don't do it. Like, don't like. This is Raga Dvesha, right? So Only when you have a thinking, you can understand, no. There's got to be more to life than just following these likes and dislikes. They're detrimental. Right? That's yajna. So, only a human being has that. We were discussing yesterday, right? You see in the... In the documentaries, these animals, they have such a powerful urge to protect the young. Right? But it's restricted to their own young. (coughs) They can't, I told you, I saw a documentary, there's a herd of elephants. And the mother of one of the calves had died for some reason. So this calf is trying to get into the herd, huge herd. And the predators dare not come near that herd. The elephants are So, so this calf is trying to get in and the elephants are just shoving it out. Right? And it's getting weaker and weaker and the predators get a sense of it and they start following because even a calf, elephant calf is enough food for a month maybe. Mm. Um, And... Time comes, they just pounce on it. It gets weaker because it's not getting fed. It's not, it's, a, it's just a baby cup, And all the elephants are just looking. Hmm? Not a care in the world. So no elephant can say, so what if it's not my baby? It is one of ours. We can protect it. So easily you can protect it. They can't. So they can't go beyond that particular emotion, which is planted by their own vasna. Right? Now, the problem is human beings also acting like that. Maximum you can see is me and mine, my children. Beyond that is impossible. So, you have to educate yourself with your intellect and understand that there is something beyond just these likes and dislikes. That's how you grow spiritually. But how do you sacrifice the ability to sacrifice? So... When you say how to sacrifice the ability to sacrifice, this is talking about the highest state. It's it's talking about how you go from the terrestrial to the transcendental, right? So, in the last stage, so you have sacrificed everything. How can you sacrifice something? How is it possible? When you take up something higher, you can sacrifice the low. Right? That's the only way to grow spiritually. I've explained that. Hmm? A child sacrifice doesn't sacrifice the toys. The child becomes an adult. Automatically the toys are gone. Correct? So, what happens in the spiritual field is you take higher and higher values. The lower selfish desires drop off. Correct? If you are growing. Otherwise, you'll remain exactly where you are. So, time comes... When the highest thought, the highest desire is left. What is the highest desire you can have? Desire for self-realization. Now that desire displaces all all the other desires pertaining to the world. So you are left with the last desire. Hmm? (coughs) This itself is a very high state. There is only one desire. This is the state just before... But... It's still a thought it's still a desire so you're still not there because any desire you have you st- it's an impediment So you have sacrificed everything because of that thought right now what can you sacrifice, sacrifice. the very capacity to sacrifice hmm? so you have to sacrifice so when when do you have a capacity to sacrifice when focused only on self right? see. When you say the capacity to sacrifice, when there is the last thought, there is <coughs> you, the person and something to sacrifice, no? Huh? Yes. There is you. As long as there is you, there is a thought. As long as there is a thought, there is something you can sacrifice. Yes. So what does it mean then? It's all poetry. You, you must understand. You don't this. exist. You are more As long as you are there, there is a capacity to give up, because the you itself is there. When there is a you, there's something to give up. No, when there's no you, what will you give up? So that's called self-realization. The giving up the capacity to sacrifice means there's no you. You have to give up the last thought. That's how you give up the capacity to sacrifice. <coughs> See, this is how they put it in the Gita. Now, if you read it, uh, what is he talking? So as long as there is that sense of I, there is that feeling that you can give up something. When there is no I, how can you give up? That's self-realization. All right? <clears throat> so he says that in the fourth chapter you're referring to, where he says some yogis attain Brahman by giving up the very capacity to sacrifice so don't worry it's a more theoretical than practical <laughs> now there's plenty to sacrifice because you start with that plenty of selfishness is there because he's talking about the last stage sacrifice the last thought of brahman that's meditation so the last thought is om but if, as long as you're stuck in om you're still stuck in the world so Give up that's what he says. Through sound you go through silence. So you have to stop the sound. to Go to the silence. Where there's no thought, that's what he means. So lot of distance to cover. Millions of thoughts now up, down, up. Close your eyes, you'll see. Insert. Other than home, you'll see everything else. (laughs) You'll see your home. Neighbours home. No home. Hmm? All those thoughts. That's what he says. You start practically with yajna in the sense, work for a one cause, one purpose in life beyond your selfish interests. All these thoughts start moving towards that one thought. That's how you start growing. Otherwise, there's no end. In the second chapter, if you were there, he says the mind is bahushakha, anantaha. Means the mind is many branches of desires and every branch is endless. Endless, endless. any branch you take. You have a weakness for money, it's endless. What will happen, what will happen, which investment, what to do, where to go, what is the Recession, expansion, huh? stock will go up or down, <laughs> hey, decide this. Hmm? Uh, war stocks. you have to buy. I want to sell this uh, whole day. That's just money. Then family. Hmm? Children are not doing well. Then they're doing well. They're uh, not getting married. You're getting married. Uh, you no know, children. They got children. How are they taking care of their children? It's not right. <laughs> hmm? uh, endless hmm. is endless. Any thought you take, endless. Travel, <laughs> <laughs> Tokyo I went, now where's the next thing, uh, Siberia we should go. <laughs> Siberia we've not gone, <coughs> <coughs> three mount, climb, mountain climbers yesterday died in yeah. Nepal and all, they will not stop till they drop dead, <coughs> this peak I want to, uh, any thought you take. I'm not saying don't do it, but you must understand, it will never end. Unless it's replaced, all these thoughts have to be replaced by a higher thought. A higher thought, a higher thought. That's how you grow. Now there's no higher thought. What will you think of? A India election. <laughs> You're winning LA. What do you have to do with that? <laughs> what difference does it make to your life? Which will wins or... How many years elections, uh, anywhere, India or here, so much interest. Nothing, it changes you. You find out whether it is one uh, president or one prior or the other. Same nonsense, different day. Hmm? So, constant thought. That's what he says. Get it? So, it's that long as the individuality exists, there is thought, there is something to sacrifice. When there is no individuality, nothing to sacrifice. Come on, let's self-realize. It's a very, very deep thought. That's the fourth chapter. When we get there, I don't know how many of you will return. <laughs> I'm scared of doing that. Uh, already uh, nobody wants to study. Hmm? Yes. Anything else? Going back to the question of sacrifice. um, In the grander scheme, am I really sacrificing anything when I give up that last thought? Because I'm regularly becoming the self, which is everything. In the same way, I'm giving up myself and I'm becoming everything. So is that really a sacrifice at that point? When you say I'm sacrificing the lower for the higher, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. Am I really sacrificing? Yeah. No, you're not. That's what you don't understand. When you give up the lower, you're getting into a far better state. You're actually not sacrificing. But it seems like a sacrifice because now you have a value for these lower things. So obviously, there is an there is, till you get established in the higher, there is that feeling of discomfort, right? You have to go through that. Hmm? like a tennis player has to go through so much training and discomfort and effort but it gets him to uh, number one ranking, right? It's actually not a sacrifice. See, you know that story, right? So one prince went up to a sage and he prostrated to the sage. Hmm? And as soon as the prince got up, the sage prostrated to him. Prince got so uh, embarrassed, you know. So how can you do this? You are a great man. So the sage asked him, why did you prostrate to me? He said, because you are a man of great renunciation. Huh? So then the sage asked him, what is greater? This world or God? He said, of course God. What else could he say? <laughs> he says, so... Who's, so, who's given up more? I have renounced this world, and I have taken up God. I have not given up anything. But you, you have renounced God and taken up this world. What renunciation! <laughs> right? What a man of renunciation! <laughs> you people are great Mahatmas. <laughs> What human beings all sitting here, <laughs> one after the other, hmm? given up the greatest thing in the world, which is the self, for yeah. oh, your petty little money, my money, my family, my this, my that. What renounce you? are right. Act, that's what he says. Yagna. You're not giving up anything. It's the greatest thing. You're elevated to a far higher level. That's what nobody understands. So in the Upanishads, there are parables after parables. See, Yajna Valka was a great sage. And he had two wives. Maitreyi and forget the name of the second. It's not important. Maitreyi is the... Uh, and so he calls them both one day and says, Look, he was a very wealthy man. He says, I am going to study Brahmavidya. And I really don't have any use for all this wealth I have, so I thought I'll split it between you two, you know, you can do what you want. So the second wife, she said, fantastic. Husband problem solved, money problem also solved in one shot. <laughs> she took her half and went away. And uh, the second one, Maitreyi, she said to him, I don't want this. He said, why? Obviously, if you're giving this up, means you are looking for something far better than this. I want that. I don't want this. (laughs) So tell me what is that. And that is the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad, where Valka teaches Maitreya what the self is all about. She's a smart one, (laughs) dumb move, took the money and ran. So, you had a choose, what will you do? You <laughs> don't understand the value. Now, what do you do? Right? Mm-hmm. Party and class, what will you choose? Can't understand the value. Hmm? He's hanging around all day, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, dinner. How much ever you scrub a rat, like <laughs> <laughs> rat, it'll never become white. So <laughs> what do you say? No one just... <laughs> So What are you talking? You're not giving up anything. <laughs> When Buddha left everything for all the kingdom and all, everybody thinks he's mad. <laughs> See, the people who have a value for it will think you're mad. How can you give up this? But the person who understands it, he knows. So this is what nobody realizes. That's why you need some time. Since you have so much attachment to these things, you don't realize the that there's something much higher. So as you gain the knowledge... It takes time, but you will understand. Get it? Thank you, Gautamji, on the Chapter 3 commentary. For more information on our live weekly lectures here in the U.S., visit our website vedantausa.org. For our worldwide work and lectures, please visit VedantaWorld.org.